Welcome to Words You Learn in a Podcast. Um, today we have a special about domestic abuse. Uh, my name's Jake. I'm Lauren. I'm Maddie. I'm Pam. I'm Dominic. I'm Jasmine. Uh, today we're lucky to have Pam with us to talk um, about uh, this. And we have multiple topics to go through. So today we just wanted to raise some of the issues that I know some of the students may find when we look at domestic abuse and we look at one in three women between 16 and 59 will come into contact with domestic abuse at some point in their life. Being able to identify it at the start I think is a really important point for us to get across because it's all the little things at the start that on their own don't seem to matter, don't seem to mean anything, could just be somebody's queer but when you start putting them together they actually add up to one big huge red flag. Some of the most common ones that we definitely find um, are gaslighting, love bombing and coercive control. Red flags and gaslighting will come across to everyone in a different way. So some of the classic gaslighting will be sentences that you will have said to you saying you need help which on its own sounds like a really nice thing to say to somebody. You know, I think you do need some help, but it's never said in that tone. It's never said in that context. It's, you need help, there's something wrong with you. And you know, when you hear that sentence, a reaction inside your stomach will automatically tighten. When you feel that, you know there's an issue. You're so emotional. That's okay, it's okay to be emotional. It's not okay for somebody to call you out on being emotional in a way that makes your stomach tighten because that's not fair and it's also right to show emotion. Normally when you're showing emotion it's because you are reacting to some form of abuse. They then turn it round, you're so emotional it's your fault. That's not okay and you will know because you will feel that in your stomach. I never did that to you when you were lying. Okay. You did do that because I know that that happened and that is one of the biggest tools that somebody who is emotionally abusive will use. It never happened. I never did that. You're lying. When you know in your stomach that that did happen, they did say that, they did reject your call, they did call you names, they did say that you weren't going fa- to you were going to fail. When you come back and say why did you say them horrible things? I didn't. You did. I would never have done that, okay, but you did. And that's all that you need to know is that you're right. When somebody says to you, well, I never did that, and you know that they did, you know that they are trying to abuse you because that is exactly what they are trying to do. They're trying to turn your reality around. It's not that big a deal. It is a big deal. It's a big deal if somebody makes you feel confused because that is exactly what gaslighting does. It's to make you feel confused. It's to make you question your own reality. And when they do that, they can start to impose their reality on you. It was a joke. You'll sound crazy if you tell people that you did that. You'll sound crazy, nobody will ever believe you. Nobody would believe I'd do that. Do you know how nice I am? Do you know how many friends I've got? You will sound crazy. 
no, no, you sound crazy because I know that that happens. Again, you will feel it in your stomach when they start saying these things to you. And one of the best ones, because we hear it all the time and it's so normalized. Oh, you're just so dramatic. No, again, your drama is reacting to their presence. Your drama is reacting to what they have done. It's perfectly normal to be emotional and to be dramatic. We're all growing. But when someone turns that round on you in a negative way and they're meant to care for you, then it's not, it's not a good thing. So the next one, which I think is very common, especially in young people, is love bombing. Now love bombing, what's love bombing? It's where you feel overwhelmed. When you meet someone and let's be boyfriends and girlfriends, I've known you for a week. Okay, I'm going to take you on holiday. I'm going to take you away. I'm going to buy you this expensive gift. We've been going out for two weeks. I don't need you to go on holiday. I want to take time to get to know you. Well, no, because I've never felt like this with anyone else before. Okay, that's okay. But again, you're starting to feel this in your stomach, like, oh, I'm a little bit uncomfortable, but am I just being mean? Because they're feeling all of these feelings for me and I'm not feeling them back. That's your body telling you that there's something else going on. When you're starting to feel uneasy and you're feeling the grand gestures and they feel embarrassing because that's how it feels. So then we don't tell people because we're embarrassed by it because you know deep down that that's not okay. It's not normal to tell people that you want to marry them after a week. That's love bombing. It's making that person feel like they're not normal for not displaying these grand gestures from the start another issue that you can have is coercive and critical control which can come into the love bombing phase as well what that looks like is well why do you want to go out with joey i don't like joey i don't think joey likes me why don't you want to spend all your time with me and this is where it starts overlapping with coercive and critical control and love bombing it's trying to separate you from your friends. Why don't you want to spend all your time with me? I love you. Okay, well just because you love someone doesn't mean that you can't be friends with other people. If anything, somebody who truly loves you wants you the best, to be the best, to do the best, to have the best, to be all that you can be, to grow into what you are going to grow into. The person who's sitting there and saying, I don't think that you should be answering that text. Why does your mum constantly call you? Why does your dad text you? Why does your dad not look at me? Let's not go round to your house. Let's just stay at my house all the time. And they start to gradually push a wedge between you and your support network. I've been experienced that before. I've had a previous girlfriend that when was at university would make me feel guilty for going home to see my family because she thought that I should be obsessed with her and spend all my time with her and then it got to a point where it pushed a wedge between me and my family so then when I went home I could see because you have rose tinted glasses at the time but it's only when I went home and spent time and had a day to myself where I understood everything that was going on and then I stepped up and had the courage to do it to say look I'm not not feeling this anymore and then we we split up about it and she still tried to continue 
to control me afterwards, but I had the resiliency to, to say no, this is how it's going to be and that was it. And I think that's really important to have that space and that's why they do the love bombing, because it doesn't give you the space to step away and to take a day and to think, is this working for me? And I think we are very caught up in this notion of romance and it should all just be hearts and flowers from the start. Relationships are hard work. All relationships are hard work, especially the ones worth having. That means that you make the effort for them. That doesn't mean you feel bad about yourself. You should feel that good about yourself in a relationship that you want to do things for somebody else. When we look at coercion and control, that person will start with love bombing of you're great, you're amazing, love you, love the way you dress, you know, let's look at the stars together, what you, you're into, veganism, so am I, but yet they wear leather shoes and they have all the latest designer brands. It, it kind of just doesn't add up. And because we do want to be loved, we are human. We, we take it, or we'll take that, it makes us feel good. But when you start to feel uneasy about it and question it and think, well, why can't I go home and see my parents? You know, that's another form of love to me. Um, and they become very jealous, then that is a massive red flag. Definitely. Um, I think that's about it, really, for coercion and control. I think the only other thing I'd, I'd worry about is if somebody makes you feel shame. And... I think that is probably one of the biggest things because you will share things with people and if they use that then against you to cause you shame, that person isn't doing what's in your best interest. They don't want you to be your best self and why wouldn't you want to be with somebody who wants you to be your best self because when you're your best self, they're their best self and it's a lot healthier in support. We all have ups and downs. But if you are feeling shame, if you are feeling anxiety about, oh, what if Dave rings me this weekend because we need to discuss something that we're doing in college and then somebody has an adverse reaction to that, that's not normal. So then you start hiding things. Then you start segregating yourself and that is the worst thing that can happen. They call domestic abuse the worst kept secret and it's to do with shame. And there is absolutely no shame whatsoever in being involved in a relationship that's turned. Sometimes it turns from the beginning and you don't realise because you don't know what red flags are. I mean, Dominic might remember the days before Facebook. I do, I do remember. We, we are that old. Um, and we didn't have access to this information. We didn't know what a narcissist was. And now I think it's everyone's, you know, word of the day. You know, that person is a narcissist. There's an awful lot of them around in, all, in lots and lots of different forms. One of the best books I ever read was by a guy called Lundy Bancroft. And one of his books is called Why Does He Do That? And he does talk about men in it. And this isn't a men fashion session whatsoever. Lundy Bancroft talks about it because the people that he treats amen but this can apply to any relationship that you've got so when you're looking at abusive for domestic abuse the definition is anybody that you've had a sexual or a family relationship with 
So this is where it crosses the line. And I think people need to understand domestic abuse isn't purely between two people who are in a relationship. This can be a brother and a sister. This can be a sister who can go on to domestically abuse her brother and put men down. It can be um, between your mum and your dad, or your mum and her boyfriend, or your mum and her girlfriend. It can be with anybody that you have that family dynamic with, and I think that's what's really important. Lundy Bancroft talks quite a lot about how you will traditionally feel like it's a mum and a dad who, who have this relationship. <clears throat> but how the relationship and the abuse will spiral into the abuse of the children and how they will tend to raise a golden child as they call it or their favourite child and basically they will look to repeat a pattern and the golden child can do no wrong and will be allowed to abuse the other parents, the other siblings and that is quite often how it happens so then, especially if a parent dies, the golden child will then come up and take that role and will still be very abusive to mum and other siblings. And it's important to know that there's help out there for that. You may think it's easy enough to go, oh, well, it's your brother. Once you go to university and you move out, it's gone. Imagine if you don't have that safe haven to go home to at Christmas. If you know at Christmas you're gonna go home and all you're going to face is abuse. There's no rest. And that's why domestic abuse is so important. Because people cannot get away from it. It's only got worse with lockdown. Because they are stuck constantly in this constant abusive situation. Which is quite difficult to deal with. And when we talk about abuse, we're not just talking about violence because that's traditionally what you think of isn't it but abuse comes in all forms so it comes in emotional you can't go there you can't do that why are you dressing like that why is your makeup like that what have you done to your eyebrows why are your nails being done are you looking for someone else sexual pressuring you into sex pressuring you into acts that you don't want to that's sexual abuse and it shouldn't happen and it's not okay and you need to get help and then we look at it economic which is one of the bigger ones which tends to be for older victims but there was a case quite recently of um, a dad who didn't work sent mum son and daughter out to work in a factory and on friday the three of them will come home hand over the bank cards and the dad would go and withdraw all the money and he would control the money in that household. This was three grown adults working in a factory, being controlled still by the father figure, especially economically. They had no way of getting out of this situation. They saw no end in it. There is help, but that is one of the biggest stumbling blocks into people leaving, is definitely money and control of money. So when we look at families and relationships, we tend to look at banter in relationships first. Because for me, that is where the issue normally starts. It starts with your ma jokes. Your ma jokes are funny, the banter, they're funny. 
But when we start them at such a young age and we normalise them in a household, it becomes okay to say your ma is this. And it's never a nice thing that goes on the end of it. And I know this sounds very snowflakey because it's just a joke. But when you start it at the age of four and five, by the time that child gets to eight, they've had half of their lives with their mum being degraded. What do you think that child's gonna grow up into? What a loving human being who accepts his wife for being who she wants to be? Or somebody who for all of their life has accepted your ma jokes as being funny, as being pulling your mum down, as women, your, ma, your ma's in the kitchen. Again, just pulling women down and it happens all the time. And I know it sounds like a man bashing, but I promise you I'm not. It's just that that's where it tends to be and that's where we can traditionally look. And I think it's only once we raise our look at the traditional, we can start looking at the non-traditional and accepting it from there. Somebody else needs to talk. Yeah, because especially like Yamaha jokes, they're being like conditioned into thinking that it's okay to say things like that about even the people who are closest to them. So they're gonna think it's normal while growing up. 100% we think it's normal when we look at the Ava White situation, you know, that's a 14 year old boy who thinks it's one okay, didn't know Ava White, but yet thinks it's okay to go and stab a 12 year old in town. Before we even look at why he's carrying a knife, why do we think that he thinks that that's acceptable? Do we think that he come from an environment that was inclusive? Because don't think he did and I think it starts with trying to alienate at a very young age quite controversial so the lockdown effect for our students I think lockdowns had a huge effect on everybody I think it's been particularly difficult for domestic abuse victims, the government did actually come out and lift the stay at home ban for victims of domestic abuse. There was lots of money that was put into domestic abuse shelters, but the use of it was just quadrupled. So I think that when we look back one of the biggest issues is going to be domestic abuse in the home and this is something that's going to be felt now but those children that are involved in them them babies they're going to feel that effect all the way through and the reason i say that is because when you leave a domestic abuse situation it's not over and that's why we need to look for the red flags at the start and we need to listen to our friends and we need to not let people drive a wedge between you and your friends. It's fine for people to not get on. I am okay with not 100% of the world getting on with me. That's okay. Um, what's not okay is for somebody to drive a wedge between me and my friends because they don't like them. That's where the issues come. Um, so when we look at lockdown, the effects of lockdown and 
domestic abuse, I think, won't come out for a good 10 years. Until we have another 14-year-old stabbing another 12-year-old. And then we'll be sat back. Hopefully I'll be retired by then. Um, we'll be sat back looking and going, if we did nothing at that point, and I think that's the point of this podcast, is to say, we know that this is happening. We know that our students, it's happening in their homes. It may be happening to them. It may be happening to their friends who doesn't come to Carmel. But if you listen to this podcast and you think, oh, some of them red flags may apply, have a quick Google. Go to some of the resources that Dom's going to link. Go and get some advice. Go and ask a pat. If you're unsure, I mean, I think everyone knows me as the shouty lady. Come and stop me. Come and ask me. I will point you in all the right directions for all the resources because you've got to want to leave before you do. I know Maddie was talking before. How many times does, how many incidents is there before somebody looks to leave? Um, it's going to be 35 times a woman will be a victim of domestic abuse before she even reports it, let alone leaves. 35 times before she will even report it. And report, reporting in the last month has just changed. We've just managed to have the law change from you have you had six months to report it, you now have two years. And I'll be honest, it probably takes two years bef- from when you leave before your life will start to turn back around. I know for me, when I left a domestic abuse situation, it probably took two years before I stopped at one point and turned around and looked back at myself and thought, wow, how did I get that far up the road? Because it's a long, long journey. And if I'd have looked for red flags at the beginning with hindsight, I was like, oh no. And it's only when you start looking and you understand red flags and you can look for them it, it turns it around for you to start being able to see it in your own relationship. I was definitely coercive controlled, definitely financial controlled, definitely emotionally controlled, 100% there was violence. And it took a long time for me to put that together because I didn't have the information. And why would I? Because no one would ever believe me you're crazy, everyone thinks I'm great, no one likes you, why are you doing that job, why are you dressed like that, and on their own they don't seem like issues, but now with hindsight and the information that I've got, to sit here and look back at the person who I was, I don't blame myself, there's a lot of shame around it, well why did you stay for so long, because I had nowhere else to go, because I didn't want to go anywhere else. Isn't this what love is? He loves me, why, why am I gonna go? He needs help, I know he needs help, because I knew it wasn't right. But he must just need help, it must be this and put a label on it, or it must be that and put a label on it, or it must be this other thing that's happening and put a label on that. Or how about it's just we put a label on him? And that label says abuser. And then you go, yeah, and the light comes on and you can walk away. And hopefully any of our students 
that are going through this or go through this get to the point at which you can just walk away and pack your bag. I wasn't in that situation. I couldn't do that. That's the point at which you need your friends and your family, the people that they've tried to alienate you from, the people they have tried to put in your mind and make you treat terribly. Well, what are you going to there for and cancelling plans last minute? Because it's easier to just cancel plans than it is to deal with the fight about why you're going. It's just easier. Why do you want to dress like Why are you dressing like that? So you go out and you're not feeling yourself. You don't feel like... I'd, I'd go out and I'd not feel like Pam. I, I laugh. I wear my glasses and work. I have a pair of glasses for work. I have a pair of glasses for home. When I go out, I wear contact lenses. Do you know why? It makes me feel like me. But to do that, well, why are you dressing like that? Why, why aren't you wearing your glasses? I'm vain. I don't like to go out clubbing in my glasses. Not that I got clubbing anymore, obviously, because they adhere to all the COVID rules in and out of work. Um, but they are all the red flags that I saw. And when you leave, it is more difficult and you have to ask for help. And there is no shame in holding your hands up and saying, I don't think that this is right. I don't think I can do this anymore. This doesn't feel nice. And if that's what you think, then you shouldn't be in that relationship. One of the the things from Lundy Bancroft, especially when we talk about emotional and coercive control and financial abuse, and they go, but he hasn't hit me. And there's always, he hasn't. There's this always, he hasn't. So he hasn't shouted in my face, okay. He hasn't pulled my hair, okay. He hasn't grabbed my arm, okay he hasn't shoved me okay he hasn't thrown anything at me okay i haven't had a black eye because that was my one i've never had a black eye i've never had a black eye okay well i've never been sent to hospital okay well i've never had a broken bone okay well i've never had to stay in hospital and each time that they do something and he has never gets worse and worse and worse and ultimately people end up dead and that is really harsh to go from but he hasn't to dead but that is the journey and that is what it will take you from and to and there's a great program on netflix at the minute called made as in m-a-i-d and to watch it, you have to get past episode three. That's all everyone says is episode three, and it's a little bit, if you get past episode three, it just moves forward so much, and it shows you domestic abuse from how it looks from outside, and it takes you all the way on this journey of her trying to leave, um, and spoiler, she finally leaves. Because you know, it wouldn't be the Netflix if it didn't, you know, end up lovely and she left. But for nearly two women a week, that doesn't happen. I think alongside us, um, to go off your point before about that he hasn't, I think there's a lot of he has, he's always, um, he's always looked after me. Um, if, I, if there's anything I've ever wanted, he's got it for me. And like you said, as that list gets longer of all the things that he has done, but they don't want to talk about, 
or you try and convince yourself you know it isn't that bad like like the to go off the red flags like the the love bombing um or the um oh if i needed something or if i wanted anything he's got it for me and um like the gaslighting they're all small signs um so they might go unnoticed or but they're all designed to make you feel small and insignificant so you feel like you can't reach out and like you say you'll seem silly you'll but seem crazy i think they might be the worst ones they are the worst ones. because they're the ones that convince you that you're the problem and not them that's exactly right they condition you to feel like this is your fault that this is your problem that you should feel shame there's a, there's a big stigma as well in society as general it is starting to change and it comes from i think many years ago where when you got married you were married for life no matter what and the world was a very different place to what it is now i am happily married my husband's awesome he raises me up he believes in me he wants me to be the best version of me i want him to be the best version of him and we support each other in no matter what it is that we do that's healthy but the little things are dragging you down making you feel small making you feel crazy that tightening in your stomach that you get when you think oh god what am i walking into that's the point at which you go i need to get help for this because this isn't right lockdown's had a massive uh, influence on that i feel because you typically you have a few hours in the morning or a few hours in the evening where you're with say your partner or something like that but with lockdown your contact time with your partner has exponentially grown until you are with them 24 hours in lockdown. Mm -hmm. So all the little things that might be condensed down and you don't notice are gonna be solidified because you have that extra contact time with your potential abusive partner or family or sibling. Everything's gonna grow and it might be a, it might be more rapid or it might happen uh, or it might come out of the woodwork that these things happen. So lockdown's been like a breeding ground for it, where I don't know if anybody else has had any experiences with it, but it's coming out and like you said, with the government doing um, funding and stuff towards it, lockdown itself was very kind of claustrophobic. And with that on top of that, I don't personally know how people would have coped. And I don't think they did. And I think the mental health issues that we all experienced during lockdown because everybody experienced some sort of mental health issue during lockdown nobody escaped lockdown unscathed um i think has personified those red flags i think it also lockdown forced people into the proximity for the fact that split decisions had to be made quickly so like to move in with your partner or to make more of an effort to be in communication with them yeah. because you were split up from everyone and you couldn't maybe turn to your family, you couldn't turn to your friends because you didn't have the opportunity to do that. That's exactly right and that's what made it worse. Does anyone, does anyone have a feeling when they talk about this of somebody that pops to mind? Yeah, I'll start, I'll start this off. So my my mum's a, a victim of domestic abuse so as a backstory she um, she got in a relationship with a convicted um, 
murderer in prison and they began a relationship when he um, he got released and he used to rouse that society had changed so much over the 19 years he was in prison that my mum kind of liked him but also saw it as like a project so she was there to kind of get him back used to society so she saw him as she saw him for what he could be and the potential to get him back into society, get him up to date and wanted to show him how good the world was. However, for a while, that's the way it was and mum was helping him financially, getting settled, work, house, he moved in. And then slowly as the relationship went on, there was incidents and incidents and drove my family away from mum. However, I stayed impartial in support of her. So I couldn't, I'd never gave my, I gave my opinion on things that had gone on, but I'd always be there for mum, because at the end of the day, she's an adult and she makes her own decisions. And you can signpost, I signposted mum to numerous things. However, she was adamant that she could make it work and it was a project and things like that. And it only got to the point where she then, um, I still remember it straight away, getting a phone call from my sister to say mum's mum's in hospital and the police have come round that um, he'd uh, assaulted her, her spleen had ruptured, she'd had hair pulled out, broken bones, everything, she's been in hospital and now she's getting a police statement now. So this was three years ago, I think about six months, eight months before lockdown. So what I did, being obviously 100 odd miles away, we got mum up, we got mum away from the situation to kind of take her away from everything, things that would remind her of situations for a few days just to calm her down so we could look after her and things like that. And it only got to the point then where she got assaulted, where she realised everything that had gone on, the negative relationship, the abuse that she'd received over the years of months that had forced the family away, that she then felt embarrassed, silly and from then on, she's kind of slowly, like you said, it's been what, I think three years now. So it was only, like you said, after two years where she's kind of gone, right, I'm okay now. I've, she's met someone else who's, that I don't think she'll ever have a relationship again because she doesn't want to put herself in that vulnerable position. But she's now with someone they shared like dog walks and stuff with. Um, but she's slowly now only starting to get her life back on track, but has influenced every single aspect of her life which is scary to see. It is so scary. It is so scary, but it's so common. And it does take a long time to be able to recover from this. And it's about knowing that this is happening to someone, they have to want to leave. And if you say to somebody, you have to leave, and they don't want to, you're gonna alienate them from yourself. And sometimes the best thing that we can do is watch, is say, here is the help, here is the support. If you choose to take it, I am there. If you choose not to, I am still there. And the abuser will hate you for that. But you can be the difference between having somebody to turn to and having nobody to turn to. And it's not about saying that it's okay and it's not about being indifferent to it, and it's not about turning a blind eye. It's about being able to say to somebody, I know this is happening, I know this isn't okay, 
but no matter what you do I will support you and it's being that good a friend and it's about knowing that you have that one person that you can go to 35 times before you try and report it it's a difficult one it really is I think the red flags are really important because I know someone that was in a relationship has got out of it now that the red flags she knew were wrong but didn't know why they were wrong and what that would lead to so like he'd say to her oh you seeing your friends this weekend why aren't you seeing me he was really affectionate with her but to the point that I thought it was weird and our other friends thought it was a bit too much but you know when you're in that situation you can't always see it and he'd gaslight her and say if he said something to her that upset her he'd then say why are you lying I never said that but to the point that it messed with her head and she started thinking did he say that am I you know did I dream that am I thinking it's wrong and he will say on top of that you're crazy exactly and you're feeling crazy anyway so that's terrifying yeah luckily she'd never lost like her friend so we were there to tell her that it was wrong and she was strong enough to get out of that and kind of resilient but a lot of people aren't and don't have that support network it's also when you trying to tell someone like this is this doesn't look right from the outside like i don't think this is how it's supposed to be they they have created such an image of this person that they think you're wrong so they don't want to they don't want to admit they don't even realize themselves maybe i think that's that shows how quickly and easily you can push your support system away i think that's 100 percent true but again when it's why are you spending time with that person and not spending time with me why are you dressing that way why do you talk that way what you need to remember is these are all the reasons this person picked you you looked like that before you dressed like that before your hair was like that before that is what they wanted they then don't get to then change you and i think i think women particularly have this this feeling that we can fix 100% we feel like we can fix things and we can fix people people don't need to be fixed and that's a hard statement to swallow people people they must do because they're wrong because it's wrong and we must fix that behavior people don't need to be fixed people fix themselves if they want to when you look at um especially extremely violent offenders they will hold their temper in front of that police officer who has come banging at the door because the neighbours have rang them. They will hold that temper when they are in court. They will hold that temper when there's a social worker there. They will hold that temper for eight hours during the day when they go to work. They will not hold it in front of you. The problem isn't self-control. Their problem is themselves. They will unleash when they are ready and not before. And we think that we can fix them. We can't. We shouldn't want to. We shouldn't want to fix people. People need to want to change in order for change to happen. A therapist can't fix anybody who doesn't want to be changed. And I think that's probably one of the most important things. But when you look at because this is all very dark. There is light at the end of the tunnel. 
we are having a podcast about it in college. We're educating people on red flags. This behaviour started to go from being, oh, do you know Dave and Joan down the road? I think he hits her to, Dave, I think you hit Joan and you're a bad person. And I think calling things out as they are forces people to change their behaviour because they know that it won't it won't be tolerated. But it won't happen overnight and it won't happen with just me banging the drum. It starts with everybody looking for red flags and saying, actually, I feel like that's wrong. How do we change this? People will have learnt behaviours, like I said, golden children will have learnt behaviours. They can unlearn them, but you need help. And if you have got yourself into a relationship and you are feeling so obsessed because it happens, I have a friend who works for the probation service and there are men that will come and just don't understand how they've got there. Can't understand how this relationship has fell apart. Don't understand why they have done things that they never in a million years imagined that they would do. Because they've got caught up in this toxic cycle. If you're feeling like that's you, ask for help. Ask for help. There's so much help out there to say, I don't feel like my behaviour is okay. There's no shame at all in going to one of the paths and saying, I think this relationship, I think I'm, I'm not doing well in it. I don't think it's healthy. That's the healthiest thing that you can do for yourself is to say, I don't think my behaviour is healthy, is to look back and reflect, and which is why love bombing is so important to them because it doesn't give you that space to step back and reflect. And reflection in relationships in life is so important to sit down and think, how did today go? Traditionally, we always talk about, you know, we'll sit down at the table together and we all have the conversation about your day. And it sounds very quaint and the world's not like that. And we all have a mobile phone in our hands and we're all extremely busy. But taking that time, maybe not with your family, to just sit for five minutes with yourself and just go, what happened today? Was it good? Was it bad? Could I have done better? Did I need to really react like that? Should I have done a bit more of this? It's not being self-critical, it's being self-aware and then starting the next day with, well, today I'm going to try and smile a bit more at people. Because, you know, I don't always go home at the end of the day in a lovely mood. <laughs> Sometimes I've said, where's your lanyard? 20 times to the same person. Um, but it's about reflecting on that and going home and growing and growing from it. Does anyone think that they would have the confidence now to be able to say to someone, I think you need help? Yeah, I think that's very important that we do all feel like that. Because if we're putting this out to the college, it's only right that we feel like we can stand by it and do the things that we've talked about. I also think the light at the end of the tunnel kind of thing, I think in a positive spin to what lockdown has brought with the law change, with everything the government has pushed into it now and is showing, it's getting it out there on a national scale, but us bringing it back down just to a college that is going to spread it at our age group. We might not watch the news, we might not realise what the government's doing, but we can now pick up on the signs. Then they can go forth and they can go to the links, they can go to the websites and get the help. 
100% I think it's the way that the world is moving we had um, a student called Ava who came before Dom started as I started she was um, on the student council and one of her movements was to ban wolf whistling in the street to ban cat calling bringing that into law that's one of our students from Carmel who was bringing a law in to start protecting women and again when we talk about Yamaha jokes it transcends into screaming at women in the street and to think that one of our students started that and grew it imagine if we can start this and we can grow it from Carmel and you guys really have the biggest impact on the world to come um, and that's why we're all super proud of you all and we're super proud that you're doing podcasts and that you're, you're looking at subjects like this um, because you will change you will make changes and by educating yourself you will educate others as you move forward and if this podcast if there's one student in this college who is feeling like they're in a relationship or they are in a family situation that they think this isn't right and they go and get help you might have saved one life today and that's pretty special so you should all feel really proud of yourselves for what you're doing Thank you very much for coming on, Pam, and being honest and saying the hard things and enlightening us all on what, it, what the hidden meanings, the red flags, and the things that most people would be too scared to kind of reach in conversation. So, thank you for coming on, and thank you all for contributing towards the conversation as well. <laughs>